lost a loved one recently? Do you find it hard to move on with your life? There are lots of questions and a quest for a solution. Where do you start? Welcome to From Morning to Morning with your host, Rabbi Mel Glazer. Rabbi Mel and his guests are here to guide you through the different stages of grief and help you heal from your loss. You'll come away with a much better understanding of how you can move forward. Now, here's Rabbi Mel. Well, good evening, my friends. It's good to have you back. It's very good to have you back. Um, I'm glad you're here. I have a wonderful, wonderful guest for you to learn from. Her name is Judy Wright. That's with a W before Wright. And she lives in a place where I never heard of. (laughs) I will admit it. And she has her own radio show. And I don't want to tell you where. (laughs) because you'll start listening to her, but she's on Blog Talk Radio every week. And she starts off every show with, Hi, this is Judy Wright from Missoula, Montana. I don't even know where that is. So, hi, Judy. How are you? I'm great. And hello from beautiful Missoula, Montana. And I can hardly believe, Mel, that you don't know where I I am because it's very similar to Colorado Springs. Oh, absolutely. We're surrounded by mountains. Did you ever see the movie A River Runs Through It? Yes. Yeah, that is us. That's That's you. The river runs right through us. Well, that's just... Wonderful. <laughs> I'm so happy. Yeah, and because we were an Air Force family, we used to live in Colorado Springs. So I'm we know um, much of where we, you know, where you live and, and the surrounding area. Gorgeous area there. Okay. So I want to talk to you about pet loss. Now, let's do I'm, it. Let's and do it. My I want... I want to especially tell you how serendipitous and in divine timing it is because on June 12th is World Pet Memorial Day. And uh, that's the day all over the world that we really honor our pets that have died. And there's all sorts of things that are going on. I've got a couple of articles running, and there's a contest running for people. But it's it's a day when we we remember those beloved best friends that have been in our life. So it's very serendipitous that we are on talking about this today, Mel. Well, there is no such thing as um, coincidence. I believe that. I do, too. I believe it's all in divine timing, isn't it? Okay, so I, I want to start out by saying to you that I grew up with dogs, uh, not cats, only dogs. Um, and, and, and I would have a dog now, except that my wife is allergic to dog hair. And don't talk to me about those little bitty itty-bitty, hairless, that ain't a dog to me. A dog is a collie. A dog right. is a Dr. Right. Spaniel. So right, right. But, you know, choice, I think... I, I, think, would, um, I would have a collie come to work with me every day at the synagogue, and I would have that doggy sit down where doggies are supposed to sit, namely right next to me. Because right, I, I, I love my dogs. Be a real and I remember... Working with. 
What? I would think that having a collie in your um, as in your work as a rabbi would be very comforting to those who come to you. That yeah, they yeah. would they would the it would be therapeutic. The... It would be like a, a companion dog or a service dog. If as they're telling you their stories, they had a dog there to run their fingers through. We have two members of my congregation who do have service dogs and bring them to services. We welcome all service animals. But I remember that when um, one of the dogs got run over by a car in front of my house. Oh, boy. Uh, it, you know it was like losing a brother. Oh, yeah. And it's, how old were you? Still, how and old then the other example that I can't stop thinking about is we had an obnoxious neighbor and I will admit that this dog, this other dog, would bark a little bit more than maybe he should have, but that I didn't care. Anyway, the obnoxious neighbor sued us, and he said he couldn't sleep at night because my dog was waking him up, and so therefore we had to get rid of that dog. I was not a happy boy, not a happy boy. So, I'm on your website right now. And uh, which, which website are you on? Because I I'm have about to so tell everybody that right now. It's called deathofmypet.com. So, everybody should look on, on Judy's website, Death of My Pet. That's, of course, after you look at griefok.com. <laughs> huh? Because let's uh, get serious here. <laughs> anyway, she's, she's written so many books, I don't know how you do it. And we've talked about it, about writing books. I've written three. You've written how many? About, uh, well, I've published about 25. I've written quite a few memoirs for end of life. That's, that's um, uh, just kind of a joy and a challenge where I can go into hospice and people can tell me their end-of-life story, and it's, um, I write it down for their family. I really love that. But I have published about 20 of my own books. I am impressed. But so I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking at these books that are up here on, on, the, uh, on the website, and two in particular really talk to me. One is, I lost my best friend today, and two, I miss you. All pets go to heaven. So, I well, and that's something that I believe. Mel, I'd like to go back to your story of when your dog was run over. How old were you? Eight, nine, something like that. Well, then, one of the books on there, and I, I hope it's on there. I, you know, I have a webmaster who does this. One of the books that I wrote is called How to Explain Death grief and loss to a child and it's a handbook for caregivers parents grandparents any any loving um, adult who interacts with children and the reason I wrote that is because what I have found is how that very first death a child witnesses or is part of has an effect, uh, how the adults around them deal with it, has an effect on how they deal with death the rest of their life. That's correct. So, I always say that 
the death of an animal right is is a rehearsal right for the death of a human being not only because you have to deal with death but because of all the other things you said you have to deal with all the feelings that surround death you have to uh, grieve that death that loss you have to move forward uh, in the in in the question of a pet who dies you have to decide whether you're going to get another one or you're not going to get another one and you but have, I have but you what know, really matters is how how the adults handle it because I have worked with people where the adult, uh, the adults actually um, through the dog through the uh, the body of the dog in the garbage and said um, oh. well, life on or they um, the child wasn't there when they came home. The dogs had had disposed of the child or disposed of the pet and said uh, he ran away. All of those things give a message to a child that maybe you don't ever talk about death. Maybe you don't talk about your feelings. That you aren't allowed to grieve something that. Um, and it, on the other hand, if the parents were kind and loving and allowed the child to grieve and to talk about their feelings, then that child's going to grow up honoring life. They're going to be able to deal with tragedy when it happens again. And you're right, Mel, it's like a rehearsal. If they're allowed to have that, then when it comes time and they're in your congregation and they lose a wife, they will have rehearsed how to grieve. They will have allowed their heart to be opened. When a uh, family in my congregation uh, loses a loved one and they, and I go see them and they have kids and the kids want to know what happened to grandpa. Mm -hmm. So I asked them the following question. Um, did you ever lose a pet? Well, most kids have, because most kids have pets. So right. they either lost a dog or a cat or gold, even goldfish. I mean, a pet sure. is a pet, you know, it doesn't matter. So I asked them, well, how do you feel about about your dog who is no longer with you? Oh, I love that dog. So then we get into a conversation and I start being a rabbi, and I say, what did you like about the dog? And are you ever going to forget the dog? No, I'm not. Why not? Because I loved him, and he did X, Y, Z with me. We had a wonderful time. I said, well, guess what? You just learned the secret of death, because just like when your grandpa died, and he didn't really die in your heart. He's still there. So your dog is still there, and you remember all the wonderful things you did together, and you remember the love that you gave him or her and she gave you, and so uh, they died physically, but they'll never, ever die spiritually. That's right, and, and in, in that particular book, it, I, I use one example in that, and I use another one in I Miss You, Do Dogs Go to Heaven? And the one that I use in Do Dogs Go to Heaven is um, something that we develop for our grandchild uh, and where you have a glove 
and you take the glove off and, and put it on, on the chair, but the hand is still moving. It, it goes on. It doesn't stop being in that glove. Even though the glove is there and it's buried, it's the body, but the spirit goes on. And then in, in the other book about how to explain to children, I use the, um, the question because kids say, well, what does dead mean? What does that mean? Uh, and I say, well, let's talk about what being alive means. When you're alive, you can do what? Well, you can breathe. When you're dead, you can no longer breathe in and out. What else can you do that you're alive? Well, you can eat. Well, when you're dead, your, your body no longer needs nourishment. So it's, it's the opposite of being alive is what dead is. When you're alive, you can um, go to the bathroom. Well, when you're dead, you don't need to go to the bathroom anymore. And, and so it helps them to build a concrete idea in their mind of what dead is. Because sometimes parents or adults will say these uh, stupid things. I mean, they aren't. Well, maybe they are stupid. Like, yeah, stupid. Uh, Grandpa uh, died in his sleep. Well, then the kid doesn't want to go to sleep. That's right. The nightmare is they'll say, uh, He just passed on. Well, what does passed on mean? Yeah. Or he, um, he, he got sick and died. Oh, well, if that's what's going to happen if I get a cold. Because children are very literal. They, they can't think in the abstract. And it's all different ages and stages and stuff. But, but the children need to be told the truth. They need to know that dead means that they are no longer going to be visiting with you physically. You're not going to be able to play checkers with Grandpa anymore. You are going to be able to remember playing checkers, and that will give you a warm feeling, but you aren't going to be physically able to play checkers. Right. The memories will always be there. Right, right. Now, as, as you and I have talked, I said to you that I used to do pet loss. Mm-hmm. And I had this beautiful, gorgeous website for which I paid a lot of money. I had a wonderful-looking website, but then it, it, it got to a place where I couldn't do it anymore because uh, when a dog dies, uh, the parents decide within a week, seven, eight days, two weeks, whether they're going to get another one or not. And, and there are two classes of people, as you know. One class of people says, oh, yeah, we're going to get another one because we really miss that dog and we want a dog. And so we're going to go and we're going to get a dog. The other, the other group says, no, 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 I'm not going through this again. Right. I don't want to do that. So there wasn't a lot for me to do. Right. Just well, and, and what, there was a lot for you to do. It's just that people would not allow you to help them. Because they felt like um, they could grieve alone. That was something that they had to pull, up, pull themselves up by their bootstraps and just do it. But the reality is, is that frequently when we suffer from grief, it's the tip of the iceberg. We need help going through a lot of these emotions. A lot of times people 
um, at least many of the people that I've worked with can't name their emotions because as a child they were never allowed to feel. So they, as an adult, they're not sure even what they're feeling. And people who want to comfort them say the wrong things, like you said. Yeah, or they say the wrong things, or what happens when we're in that very vulnerable, uh, heartbreaking place, everything seems like the wrong thing. Um, it's, uh, I, I get a lot of people who tell me, especially at work, they're very confused because they've bought cupcakes and they've bought Girl Scout cookies and everything for their coworkers, but when their cat dies, everyone either says it or infers, get over it. It was a cat. You know, it wasn't like it was a kid. Right. Get over it. Just a cat. Right. It was just a cat. Well, the reality is to them, it was more than just a cat. It was a part of their family. It was a very uh, intriguing, loving companion, best friend, um, part of their family. And, and it's not easy to just uh, stop thinking about it. And when you were, Mel, you were talking about those two uh, groups of people, those who say we're going to get another dog in, in eight days or those that say we'll never do, sometimes those that say we're going to get another dog think of pets just as a, um, just as a group. Object. Yeah, it, it's an object. Yeah, our lamp broke. We're going to get another lamp. Uh, you know, our car's worn out. We need another car. But those who love their pets so deeply they become uh, a confidant, a child. They become, uh, oh, they're very, very best friends. They, I call them the keeper of the secrets. And if you don't have a lot of human relationships that are deep and nurturing, sometimes that, that relationship with the animal is pretty deep. It may be the deepest one you will ever experience. That's correct. That's correct. Listen, Judy, we got to take a break. Okay. We'll be back right after this commercial break. And so don't anybody go away because you don't want to miss the rest of what Auntie Artichoke, who still hadn't told us what that means, has got to say. We'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Believe it or not, the Bible talks a lot about grief and healing and can be a powerful source for us to move forward. For example, after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt where they'd been slaves, they wandered in the desert for 40 years before God would let them into the promised land. God only wanted those who'd been born free, who'd never known slavery, to enter Israel. Those who had been slaves had to die out before their descendants would be allowed to enter the Promised Land. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, And God Created Hope. Available at Amazon and in Kindle format. When you're wandering after a life loss, you're really wandering in two directions at the same time. Part of you wants to go back 
and part of you wants to go forward. That was also true of the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert with Moses. They didn't want to go back to being slaves, of course, but they did want to go back to the familiarity of home in Egypt. It was predictable and known, and they were afraid, like everyone is, of the unknown. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, A GPS for Grief and Healing, available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. Hello, everybody. Rabbi Mel back with my good friend, uh, Judy Wright, who is known as Auntie, or I should say Auntie, Artichoke. Now, Judy, I want you to tell everybody all across the world, because we have listeners all across the world, I'll have you know, uh, what Auntie Artichoke is all about. I would love to, Mel, and I want you to, you can find the real story on artichokepress.com, which is my publishing site, artichokepress.com. And then I have a parenting blog. I I want them to hear it from you. Huh? I want them to hear it from you. All right, I'll do it. Well, I um, I work with I I used to work with low income families and court appointed families, and I did a lot of parenting, which is what the majority of my books are are about parenting and family relationships. And when we were in Hawaii, I was given the title of Auntie Auntie Artichoke, and and in. In Montana, I work with a lot of tribes, and they call me Auntie. But Artichoke became my logo when our daughter said to me, you know, the families you work with are kind of like artichokes. They're very closed. They don't want to be open. They don't want new ideas, and they're kind of prickly around the edges, especially the ones that are sent by the court. And the way that I get them to open is to have warmth and patience, and then as you peel off the outer layers, you ultimately get to the heart. And and that's, um, that's the artichoke, which is my symbol. When we were in the military, my husband was an Air Force officer, and we were in California. We, when we landed in military housing, my little kids went outside and said, oh, come and see, come and see this wonderful flower in the backyard. Well, it was an artichoke. And so I gathered all of the neighborhood children and gave them this teaching moment because artichokes take a couple of years to really grow. They're a thistle. And I told them that whoever had planted that artichoke planted it knowing that they would not uh, reap the fruits of their labor. They would not be there to eat that artichoke, but they did it anyway. And, and that's what it is with kindness and kind deeds is you do them anyway. You may not be able to, you may not be the one that will benefit, but someone will. And it's a, it's a joy of paying it forward. And so artichokes have always had a special spiritual meaning for me. And I love being called an auntie. 
an auntie in most natives, um, most native and, and um, certainly the Native American, is a wise woman who loves unconditionally. And I was just mentioning to Mel that we have six adult children, and our, our house has always been a safe house. And, an, and so they would bring kids home, but three of our daughters have never married, and they're aunties. And they are this spiritual arc to the nieces and nephews that bypass the parents. It's like you could be an axe murderer, and an auntie would bring you chocolate chip cookies to the jail. That's just, they will love you unconditionally. And, and that's what I represent is, is no judgment, no, um, no criteria. I just love you. And I just have they, confidence in you. Loving so unconditionally of, of the artichoke and why I chose it. Right. Well, that reminds me of my personality, so I understand. I'm very, I'm very prickly too, and uh, we'll talk about it some other time. Yeah, yeah. When you mentioned they would bring uh, Girl Scout cookies to the axe murderer, they, they have unconditional love, and That's they don't right. get anything from the axe murderer. They get something from the act. It's sort of like raising a pet. Right. You right. Don't, you don't get any, there's nothing you get, I mean, you do get, you get love and you get, um, for my listeners, um, Auntie Artichoke has a, she has great websites, she's got a ton of them, she's just all over. I do, I do. And the one yeah, I especially so want to tell you. She's got phrases about animals and pets. Right, and right. there's one that I read and I don't remember. Wait, hold it. Wait, I'm clicking on it right now. It's called uh, Pet Quotes. That's right. And I, that's on Death of My Pet, but I think I also have one on Animal-Human Connection. Yes, you do. Animal-Human that I like the best, and this is some people not like, some people are not going to love me after I say this, but too bad. Um, dogs have owners, cats have staff. That's true. That's I, true. I know. That's why I would never you have a cat. Never. You, you just put Not up with cats. You don't, uh, they the pretty cat, much are the owner of the house. Right. And, and the cat trains you, not the other way around. So a cat will sit in your lap and be all cuddly and, and, and be pretty and you take selfies with your cat and all that. And then all of a sudden, cat will, you know, stand up and rip your face to shreds and, <laughs> and won't even tell you. There's no warning. There's no, no warning. Well, I know too many people like that. So they remind me of cats because yeah. there's any warning. You can't tell. And so I just say, okay, a dog I know. Dogs love unconditionally. There's nothing that's short of kicking them that you can do to a dog that will take away the love that you have for a dog. But I have a question. Okay. I want you to answer. I want you to answer your own book. 
Okay. All pets go to heaven. What do you mean? I mean that they go to another plane of existence. And, and I, I happen to believe, mainly because I have been uh, present at so many deaths, that the spirit leaves the body, but I know there is life after death because I've had uh, spiritual visits back. And many, many, many people tell me that they can sense their pet in the room occasionally, or they can, or the pet spirit will help them choose another dog. And the term heaven is a loaded one. Um, Cause I'm, you know, that's like Republican or Democrat or something. Well, that's why I but I, all I know is that this is not the end of life as you know, it might be the end of life as we know it, but it is not the end of life. Life goes on and those animals, I, and I wished I could remember, the, I, I found this quote, and I love it. And it was about um, a doctor who studied life after death, lots of near-death experiences. And he was saying in there, and, and it's not Moody, it's some other doctor, but he was saying in there, when little children die, who who meets them at the end of this tunnel are, are lambs and puppies and kittens because children go naturally towards them. They're, they're drawn to them. Where, and, and doesn't that make sense? Because if, if you were a child that was entering this tunnel and there were a whole bunch of, of people uh, that you didn't know, you had never known, you'd be frightened. Correct. But a child will go naturally to dogs and cats and little lambs. And so there's a, a poem that's called The Rainbow Bridge, which has been around forever. And, I, and it's on yes. my website, too. But it's, it's that when we cross that bridge, when we go through that tunnel, we will be, we will be met by our animals. They are um, living, sentient beings, and they do go on to a, another existence. So you can get, you know, you can pound out uh, somatics with some people, and you can argue all you want, or you can just know what your heart tells you. Well, the way I treat it is I don't believe in a physical place. After death. Okay. I, I don't believe that. I was I, I learned that in Sunday school just like you did. I learned about God who was the grandfather sitting on the on the throne, you know, with a crown on his head. And if you were good, then you would go up, and if you were bad, you would go down. Uh, well, I don't believe that anymore. I grew up. I don't I don't believe I don't that. I don't either. Okay. Most people if you push them, they will say they do not agree with that. So, but I don't, but some people still agree with that. My older congregants, you know, often agree with that. My job is not to judge them and tell them, you don't know what you're talking about. My job is to comfort them. So if you say to me, my daughter's going to heaven, and and uh, he's going to be met by lambs and 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 parakeets and all the things that he liked during his life. I will support you hundred percent. Right. If you say to me, there is no such thing. When you're gone, you're gone, and you remain 
you don't just die because your memories live on after you. Mm-hmm. And and I haven't thought about it really with 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 uh, pets, but it's not so different. When I talk about human beings, I say, you know, if this was a giving person, and this person reached out and paid it forward, as you said, mm-hmm. as the wonderful movie talks about, and um, gave money to charity and other people and supported the poor and repaired the world and made the world a better place, that is, when you remember that person, that person is in heaven. On the other hand, if that person lived only for themselves and didn't do anything for anybody else, when you remember that person, you're going to remember that person is in hell. So to make it easy for one age group, I say Adolf Hitler's in hell, Mother Teresa's in heaven, and that's the way it is. And then I let people choose, and I support whatever they choose. I don't know, because nobody knows. Nobody knows. That is exactly that. And so when I say, I miss you, do pets go to heaven, in that book it says that the, the father is talking to the young son, and he's saying, I don't know. But this is what I think and uses the example of the glove with the handout. So, uh, yeah, do you know, I love is such a strong emotion that it, it will carry through many planes of existence. I just, um, I've just had so many spiritual experiences in my life where I have been touched by those who went before me or who, um, ancestors, and I just know that this is not the only place. So do pets go to heaven? I don't know, but I think so. In light of that, when was the last time you you said you used a phrase that your mother used to use, and you would swear when she said it? I know that you would never say it, and there you go. Yes, or I've looked down at my hands and thought, "Oh my gosh, those are my mom's hands." I had a very spiritual experience day before yesterday, where I uh, came into my office. One of the books I wrote for Artichoke Press is. Um, uh, healing hands. And I was able to go back seven generations of women on my mother's side, my maternal side. And my great-great-grandmother, Sarah Catherine Terman, was an herb doctor in Arizona. And she ministered to the Indians there, to the Pinta Indians. And so I have her picture up on my shelf in my office, way up on my shelf. And uh, just have it there. I had laminated it and, and just had it there. Well, the other morning when I got up, it was not there. It was under my keyboard. And I don't know what to think of that. And, um, but I do know that I didn't put it there and nobody else was here. Yeah, well, you do know who put it there. Right, right. 
and I, I don't know what her message is, whether she's saying I'm here to help you or she's saying uh, get your butt in the chair and get writing or write more about me because she was an herb doctor and did a lot with oils and so on, but she didn't leave a journal. And in looking at her life, she had so many children who died before the age of three, and yet she was out ministering to others, you know, died in the flu and in scarlet fever and so on. And she, I would love to have her journals, but I don't. And I don't know that she ever left journals. So maybe my message from her was, do some more research. You'll find more about the women in my era. You know, you'll find more about the herbs that we used and the concoctions we used. I wrote her granddaughter's life story, um, who was um, a homesteader in southwestern Idaho. And, of course, Auntie Ruth just died at 97. And she was a young girl when uh, great-grandma Sarah Catherine was dying of what's called Bright's disease, which is an autoimmune which goes down through generations. And, and when someone has an autoimmune, their descendants have a propensity towards autoimmune diseases, but not the same one. So I have an autoimmune, but it's not Bright's disease. But when I interviewed Aunt Ruth for this book on the MCs, the early southeastern Idaho homesteaders, she, we did a whole chapter on, um, you know, folk remedies, what they used on the homestead, how they healed the animals, and how they healed themselves. And it, it was fascinating to find some of the concoctions and the formulas that they used for the animals and, and then used them on the children, too. I, I think, and we got to take a break, I think that you need to write that journal. That is maybe what she was telling you. Who knows? I have. I, I have already. And seeing like this homesteaders, um, that's, um, that's not on Amazon. That was just for the family. Maybe what she's saying is I need to take that section on folk remedies and enlarge it and put it into a book. Because we'll I've learned. We'll talk about I've learned so much break, about herbs and, and oil and essential oil. She's anti-artichoke, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. When you're wandering after a life loss, you're really wandering in two directions at the same time. Part of you wants to go back, and part of you wants to go forward. That was also true of the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert with Moses. They didn't want to go back to being slaves, of course, but they did want to go back to the familiarity of home in Egypt. It was predictable and known, and they were afraid, like everyone is, of the unknown. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, A GPS for Grief and Healing, available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Believe it or not, the Bible talks a lot about grief and healing and can be a powerful source for us to move forward. For example, after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt where they'd been slaves, they wandered in the desert for 40 years before God would let them into the promised land. 
God only wanted those who'd been born free, who'd never known slavery, to enter Israel. Those who had been slaves had to die out before their descendants would be allowed to enter the Promised Land. Find out more in Rabbi Mel Glazer's award-winning book, And God Created Hope. Available at Amazon and in Kindle format. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to From Morning to Morning. To find out more about our program, visit GriefOK.com. Again, that's GriefOK.com. Now, back to From Morning to Morning. Well, we're back, and um, I'm with Judy Wright, my good friend, and she is anti-artichoke, and among other things, she writes about pet loss, and she's written about 20,000 books. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it feels like it. She gets up every day, she writes a book. Um, Let me just tell everybody that if you want to, if you have a question you know, that you'd like to ask one of us, I'm going to give you the phone number. You can call in, and we will be happy to talk to you. Now, Judy, you should know that I've been inviting people for two and a half months. Nobody's had the courage to do that yet. But we'll well, see. Ben, I would talking. hope that they would connect with me on well, animalhumanconnection.com, and uh, just I have contact forms all over. Feel free to connect with me. You may very well be in a new book that's coming up about pet loss. You never know. So it's animalhumanconnection.com. So let me give people the phone number in case they're courageous enough to call. Okay. 888-346-9141. That will take you to... Voice America Empowerment, and you can be on the air. So during the break, Judy and I were talking about um, sometimes when pets leave us, they don't leave us, and we can tell that they are still with us. So Judy, I'd like to for you to tell a story or two uh, to give an example of 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 a family or you or someone you know who got a sign that from a pet who had died. Okay, well, uh, Mel, um, thank you for letting me share that sacred story recently about the picture that came off the came off the shelf and was under my keyboard, because that's something that's very similar to a lot of stories that I've heard. Is that they're grieving, they're missing, certainly very lonesome from their for their pet. They come home for work, and here's the pet. Uh, the pet's toy is in the living room. And they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I put all of those toys in a box to take them down to the shelter. But here's their toy there. Or the other thing that happens frequently is they will see the pet out of the side of their eye. And, and they turn their eye quickly and, don't, you know, they can't, the pet isn't there, but, but they swear 
that they have seen the pet there. The other instance that I get a lot is when they're ready to get a new pet, and I and I just wrote this in, in a brochure. The, you shouldn't get a pet right away because each pet is unique. They have their own personality. They have their own message to share with you, and, and you need to absorb that loss. But when you're ready, a lot of people have told me that the spirit of their last pet has helped them choose their new one has been with them as they're at the pound going through and uh, a little puppy there will bark, bark, bark and and almost like it's barking at something on their side, by the side of them. And uh, they just can tell that that spirit of that animal, um, even though it was euthanized, even though it was cremated or buried, that spirit is still there. Did you have a question, Mel? No. Well, yes, I do. Um, I've heard the same kind of thing. First thing is that when you go pick out a new pet, you don't pick out the pet. The pet picks you out. Right, right. And you just know through through looking at that that doggies or that kitty's eyes that this, right. is, not, this is not – happenstance, this is not coincidence, that's your dog, that's your new pet. And it could very well be, as you say, that it's really your old pet in a different form. Or it's your old pet helping you to find a kindred spirit that will blend in your home. Right. Your old pet spirit knows that, um, you know, you work long hours. You need, you need a pet who will, who will fit in with your family. So it can either be the old pet in a new form or it can be, uh, and that's a whole theological discussion we don't want to go into, but I really believe that the spirit of that old pet hangs around to help you in time of need. And to just say, hey, I'm okay. Yes. You know, I've heard that about when husbands and wives die. Very similar kinds of things. I have too. That either the, the, the mother, who, the, the wife who dies, and she talks to her husband and she says, you're going to get married because you're going to be a wreck if you're not married. Right. And I'm going to take care of you. And he finds a woman who he just <laughs> sort of knows in his guts she's the right one. Right, right. I, have I heard didn't that do too. it. My wife did it. Right. I have heard that too. I've also heard I've also heard men who were in such a hurry to get married that they married the first woman that brought him a tuna casserole. And and afterwards said, I should have known she wasn't the right one because my my wife would not have liked her. Or they bring the woman who is uh, brought a casserole in, and the pets don't like her. <laughs> and you got to trust those pets if they don't. I like, thought you were going to say that he's in such a hurry to get <laughs> to get yeah. that he marries a woman just like his mother. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But I think, 
I think pets play a vital role yes. in our society. Um, I think that they often offer unconditional love to people, some people who have never experienced that before. And their grief is so deep. And when I work as a pet grief coach, I, I help people to understand that, that the grief over losing the pet is is there. It's a reality. And, and Mel, what I do as a pet grief coach that you will love, I just uh, set up a client tonight, is I hear their love story with their pet, and then that's transcribed. They get an MP3. They get a, a <clears throat> DVD or a C, CD and an MP3, and then that's transcribed, and they send me photos, and I make a tribute, tri- a tribute tale. It's a memoir of their love story with their pet. That's lovely. That's very Isn't that great? Yeah. And it's such terrific. a treasure because people really love a physical, something physical they can put in their hands to help them remember all of the life lessons their pets have taught them. As long as this pet does not overshadow the next pet. Well, each pet is unique, just like your kids. Um, you know, when a child dies, you don't get another child to replace the one that died. You get another child because you had such a, a wonderful relationship as a family that you want to share that. And, and that's the way we were just talking about widows and widowers. Uh, that's really an honor to the 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 widow or, or the the person that died, that marriage was such a pleasant experience. You want to continue with that pleasant experience, right. but you're not replacing Sarah with Jane. You're loving Sarah for her own self, but you're bringing her into a marriage and a family and a household that honors each other. And just like a lot of people don't want another uh, dog because they're going to have to go through the death of the dog, a lot of men and women don't want another spouse because they don't want to have to go through hospice and caring for them and et cetera, et cetera. You're right, but you sure are shortchanging yourself because you're looking, if you look at that period that your wife was in hospice, if you had a good marriage and you were looking at the period the wife was in hospice and say she was in there six months um, as opposed to 25 years of a pretty joyful marriage, you can do it. You can do it. The, The period of joy should uh, carry more weight than the period of sorrow and mourning. I, I agree with you. I did it myself. My first wife, may she rest in peace, we were married almost 25 years. And she, from the time our first born was, uh, our first was born, Avi, my son, so Donna, my wife, started to jaundice. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another, and she eventually died later of liver failure. She got two liver transplants. Oh, goodness. The first one didn't work, and the second one they never should have gave her, but they did because I am who I am, and she, you know, right. was famous in the community and all that, and so they, they did it. But I married Ellen, 
And we've been married, uh-oh, is it 16 years? Oh, my God. I better be yeah. right. She's listening. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you one final question. Okay. Uh, well, this hour's gone quickly, hasn't it? It has. It's too quickly. Uh, are there different kinds of pet funerals? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you should have some sort of a, of a service or a remembrance or something, a closure. People need a closure. And you, I, Mel, you've got to find this in your congregation oh, yeah. that someone dies, they need, the family needs some sort of a closure. And, and so um, if, if a child has lost a pet, Dig a hole, bury the bury the pet, say a little prayer, wish them well on their next great adventure, but don't just throw them in the garbage can. That gives the idea to the children that uh, uh, life is meaningless, that it that it isn't worth uh, you know it isn't worth celebrating, and that's what we want to do is we want to celebrate the life that we've shared with them, whether it's a human or a pet. And we want to celebrate the lessons that we learned. Absolutely. And they teach they, they are so our teachers. many lessons. Therefore, our pets become our teachers and, and, and should be respected and loved, not just because we love them and they loved us, but because they teach us important lessons that we're not going to get anywhere else. That's so right. And, and they teach it from a pure place. A lot of times people um, have had, uh, you know, their relationships with, with other people have been strained or they have been very, very uncomfortable. They've been, you know, and, and the relationship and the true unconditional love from a pet is pure. There's no hidden agenda. And when I teach uh, court-appointed families, and, and maybe they, have, they came from a, a family where they didn't have parenting, and they didn't know love, I use a Cocker Spaniel to teach with. I say, mm-hmm. okay, envision coming home to that Cocker Spaniel. Is he going to ask you what kind of a grade you got? Is he going to ask you whether you got a raise? Is he go- no, he just loves you just for breathing in and out. And uh, and I think animals can teach us many, many, many things. And they can. their lives they can. are to be celebrated and their deaths are to be celebrated. Again, Judy, Judy wait, your, stop, or I will stop, invite stop, your stop, 10 million listeners to contact me through deathofmypet.com or animalhumanconnection.com. Come and join our tribe. We do wonderful things together. She does wonderful things, and she writes great stuff. You should read her blogs, and you should buy her books, and you should support her. And when, when you come back the next time, I want to talk about euthanasia, euthanizing a pet. I can do that. I'm writing a special report on that because that that is a question a lot of people fear. Anyway, it's been a a delight to have you on, Judy. I thank you so much. I promise you we're going to get together again. I don't know if I'm going to get to beautiful Missoula, Montana, but at least we can talk on the radio. My friends, thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week. Be blessed, y'all. Bye-bye. 
Thank you again for joining Rabbi Mel Glazer for From Morning to Morning. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're wishing you strength and hope in the next week.